And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. And I'm Gary McNamara. Eric is quiet quitting. (laughs) I got an email yesterday or a tweet or something where... I got a message where someone said, hmm, Eric's lost his voice and not there. He must be quiet quitting. Uh, Eric texted me earlier today and said he still has no voice at all. So, none. And so we just, uh, we, we hope he gets better. I, it wasn't uh, a long text message back and forth because I know he's not feeling good. So, But uh, we hope he returns soon because I'm getting sick of doing this alone. It's not as much fun. I don't entertain myself as easily as he entertains me. <laughs> How's everybody doing? What a what an insane uh, day. Well, we are back to everything is Trump, 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 Trump 24-7. At least looks like for the next 48 hours or so. We'll see what happens uh, after that. Just before I came on the air, I was reading this. This is great. Gerald Baker's column in the Wall Street Journal. Trump indictment keeps New York safe for accountants. Finally, they have their man at long last. The nation's most notorious falsifier of business records. The outlaw who has for years terrorized helpless accountants and hapless election regulators with a merciless campaign of bookkeeping irregularities and infringements of campaign finance laws finally faces justice. Thanks to the courage of a lone district attorney, the moral fortitude of a sex worker who ultimately earned $130,000 from an alleged one-night stand, and the disciplined integrity of a now-disbarred lawyer who endured prison time for tax evasion and false statements, the reign of terror of this cruel violator of auditing norms will soon be at an end. Let us bow our heads to the majesty of the law. Democrats can feel proud of themselves this week when Donald Trump walks into the courtroom in Manhattan to face his arraignment. Unless Alvin Bragg has been hiding 
the most monumental legal ace up his sleeve for the last six months. The charges that are about to drop against the former president have all the moral and, as far as we can tell, legal weight of one of Nancy Pelosi's delicately spun ice creams. And then goes on, I'm just reading portions of this uh, column, that we are all subject to the law's authority does not mean we feel its weight for every breach of its many prosecutions. Prosecutorial discretion is exercised every day by people like Mr. Bragg. There are no hard and fast rules, but it's a fair bet that most uh, prudential legal minds would caution restraint when considering the prosecution of a former president and current candidate on a charge built on weak evidence and a fragile legal theory that wouldn't be pursued against anyone else. But in this case, there was never any question of exercising discretion since the prosecutor had found a crime and a culprit before he even began investigating, before he was even elected district attorney in 2021. And I love this this uh, line here. I forgot to read this one. <laughs> no one is above the law. Talking about Democrats. No one is above the law. They solemnly intone as though summoning the spirits of Moses and the barons of Magna Carta. But we are wise enough in the ways of the law to know that this is a convenient, cliched refuge of every politically motivated scoundrel. So here we go. I just the first part of that was just great from uh, Jared Baker. I said Gerald Jared Baker uh, in the uh, the Wall Street uh, uh, Journal yesterday. Well, I mean the 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 lawyers. Uh, the Trump lawyers, I mean, are on the attack. More leaks yesterday. Uh, this is Trump attorney Alina Haba on CNN. Former president, and do you, do the legal team, uh, do they, the unsealing of the document, do you support that? Does he support that? Yes, I mean, I, th- I think it will happen no matter what. I would like to see what the basis is for this. Let's remember that the real crime here that we have is that D.A. Bragg did leak that there were 30 to 34 counts. We already know that that in itself is a felony. You are not to let that go. So uh, at this point, I mean, and, and I like Alina, everybody we in this don't country know to be treated the, the same no matter what DJ, We don't know if, if the D.A. leaked that information. That is speculation. Well, we don't have that information. So, well, it's not speculation. We don't have she answered it the wrong way. Do I have to do all the work? She answered it the wrong, wrong way. Well, it either came from the DA's office or it came from one of the grand jurors. One or the other. Certainly didn't come from the defense. So it came from either the DA's office or the grand jury. These leaks are either coming from one or the other. If it's coming from the uh, uh, DA's office, yeah, that's a crime. If it's coming from the uh, the the uh, grand jury members, it's a crime. And so if the DA knows it's not him leaking this information, or if it's inaccurate information, and the media, and the, this is the, the last leak came from Yahoo News, that, uh, that the media is making it up, well, the DA should come out and say so, put out a statement and say, anything you hear are not leaks from the grand jury, uh, what is being what is being uh, 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 you know articulated to you is inaccurate. They should say something. He's saying nothing. If it is true, 
the leaks that we have got over the last couple of days, and it's coming from the grand jury, then the DA should say we're going to investigate any of these leaks. We need to find out who leaked all of these, and in his statement tomorrow, he should say that. So it's not Trump. And I think that's what she was trying to say. Well, it's got to be the grant. It has to be from the DA's office because it's not from us. But it could be a grand jury member. The grand jury knows, you know, what the indictments were or what the, the charges were. Now, I did see where it's 34 felony counts, which means every check that he wrote is what they used for it. And as Jonathan Turley says, it doesn't matter if it's 100, if the legal basis is bogus. But that's what you do. You put out as many as possible to make it sound more serious. And so you say 34 felony indictments, and that's what came out from Yahoo uh, uh, yesterday. I believe it was Yahoo News that uh, released uh, that story uh, yesterday. Uh, I'll find it coming up here in a little bit. Also coming up on the show... Do you remember, does everybody remember this? Now, this goes back, oh, I'd say um, uh, a little over a month ago. Remember all of this? You ready? Here we go. Wow, almost two months ago. Wow, time is flying. I can't believe this is two months. Because this actually, the the first time in here was from February 2nd, so this is all around the beginning of February. Here we go. Once we detected the balloon, the U.S. government acted immediately to protect against the collection of sensitive information. We acted immediately to take all necessary steps to protect against foreign intelligence collection uh, of sensitive information. The U.S. has stated that steps were taken to prevent uh, any problems in terms of intelligence collection. We were also able to ensure the protection of any sensitive information that the balloon would not be able to collect against us. We protected against Chinese intelligence collection, we protected civilians, and we gained more intel while protecting our own sensitive information. The Biden-Harris administration responded swiftly to protect Americans and safeguard against the balloon's collection of sensitive information. Protecting our own sensitive intelligence and maximizing our ability to track the balloon. We were able to take steps at sensitive military sites that we believed would be all along the flight path uh, to significantly curtail any intelligence ability that the Chinese could get uh, get from, from the balloon. We were able to protect our security data on the ground. We were able to protect sensitive sites against collection. We spotted it. We took action to protect sensitive information on the ground that it was attempting to surveil. The balloon attempted to surveil Uh, very critical, important military installations. We protected the sensitive information that it was trying to surveil. We protected our national security uh, information on the ground. Surely and certainly that balloon was not helpful. (laughs) I love that the last cut of that is Harris. It wasn't helpful. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, um, not true. Yeah, not true. And this actually came out a story from NBC, and we'll get all to the specifics of uh, all of uh, of of that. Uh, big burn, uh, big time on that. More news on uh, the entire uh, investigation of influence peddling at the uh, White House. Uh, a new story on uh, that uh, coming out. The liberal transgender activist movement, uh, and you know, the, did you hear about the was the Bud Light commercial? 
that influencer that uh, that is uh, uh, transitioning. And uh, the the uh, what I liked about it was uh, I forgot who said it yesterday, but it it, it all is in line with that uh, Texas uh, the uh, university uh, universe was it University of Austin the president who came out and said nope no drag shows here because that's basically women face for the black face is women face it's making fun of of women and in this commercial it's about okay i'm a woman now and i'm stupid and don't know a lot about sports well <laughs> i mean this that that president of that university of austin came i mean that was something that most people didn't think of but it is when you look at drag shows his accusation is it's demeaning to women and i thought about the the bud light commercial and then i thought about the view and it's like you know liberalism just absolutely you know you see the liberal transgender activist movement just you know basically treating women as scum I mean, the misogyny in the liberal transgender activist movement, fully supported by the Democratic Party, is incredibly misogynist. We've talked about femophobia. Now we can add women face, uh, you know, uh, you know, to this uh, all. And, you know, the the demeaning of women. And then I thought about the view because we've always talked about the view. The view gives the absolute incorrect, the false stereotype that is well known out there. The false stereotype, because it's not the women that I know, of emotional nightmares that have no critical thinking whatsoever. Think about this. Liberalism portrays women, mocks women, and portrays women in the stereotypes that have been around that are completely and totally false. And The View does it every day. A bunch of emotional nightmare women with no critical thinking skills, who are raging and always have to be corrected because they're wrong. Think about this. They have lawyers that are listening in real time and watching in real time so they can put out a disclaimer if they have to in the next break, in the next segment of the show. That's what liberalism has done to women. We got a great show ahead. 866-90-RED-EYE. Cold weather takes a toll on trucks. As warmer weather rolls in, it's time to assess the impact winter has had on your vehicle to help avoid downtime and keep your rig rolling through to next winter. Spring temperature swings can cause your tire pressure to fluctuate. Start your spring maintenance routine by checking your tire pressure and make sure your tires are properly inflated based on the load you're hauling. Underinflated tires cause premature wear, reduced fuel economy, and premature tire failures. Take care of your tires now before you find yourself stranded roadside this spring. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. 
Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric still has laryngitis is out. Still no voice. I know, I know. Also coming up on the show, expect gasoline prices to uh, to go up. I think oil prices were up, uh, what, 6.3% on uh, on uh, Monday. We told you about OPEC cutting uh, back. And uh, we'll talk about the consequences of that uh, coming up. Um Trump, uh, the Trump team hired a new lawyer uh, on Monday. They hired white-collar defense attorney Todd, uh, Todd Blanche to be part of the legal team. Uh, Blanche uh, will serve as defense attorney in the case uh, uh, brought uh, by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Uh, uh, Joe Takapina and the other lawyers in the case are still there. He uh, He joins them, the source said, uh, that Blanche will be additional firepower uh, to the Trump legal team. He previously represented Paul Manafort and apparently got Manafort off on on some uh, on got him off a uh, a, a a pre-trial, um, uh, just like they hope you know they they hope to you know basically get these charges dismissed. He was able to get uh, one of the charges against Manafort uh, dismissed. So we'll see where that uh, goes. Meanwhile, you have the, the one of the things you have is, you know, you've got the, uh, the they were in unison with it yesterday. Everybody in the Trump camp talking about the fact of all these leaks that are that are coming out. I mean, it seems like every day now there's a leak and the only place that it can come from camp. It cannot come from anywhere else except two places, the DA's office or uh, you have uh, rogue uh, grand jury members that are breaking the law and committing a felony by releasing the information of what went on. And as we have noticed that Bragg has said nothing about it, he might. Will he say something on it tomorrow? Uh, We will see. But as to this point, there has been nothing 
from the DA's office uh, on that. So we will get to uh, that. And I'll get to the, I thought I had the, I don't have the Yahoo story here. I thought I had it here. I've been just going through looking for it. And I, and I can't, it's not around. But uh, Trump called for the resignation <laughs> of Alvin Bragg for allegedly illegally leaking uh, the indictment, points of the indictment to the uh, media. I have it here in the exclusive report from Yahoo News on Monday said that the former president has been charged with 34 felony counts for falsification of business records, according to a source who has been briefed on the procedures for the arraignment of the former president. Well, that doesn't seem like that would be a grand jury member at that point. Uh, The charge of falsification of business records is normally prosecuted in New York uh, as a misdemeanor, but Bragg's uh, office bumped up all the charges to Class E felonies, the lowest level of felonies in uh, New York State Penal Code on the grounds that the conduct was intended to conceal another underlying crime, according to the source. Okay, so everything is so far that has come out, unless it's all false information, and these media outlets are making this up. Or they have bad sources. Uh, every, every every story we have seen seems to verify uh, that exactly where the experts thought Bragg was going is exactly where Bragg is going. Under New York State Penal Code, a conviction for a Class E felony for a falsifying business records can result in a prison term of up to four years. But as a practical matter, that seems extremely unlikely. No one gets jail time for that as a first offender, uh, said a New York uh, uh, law enforcement official. I'm reading here directly. This is from the Yahoo uh, story. The evidence for underlying crime that escalated Trump's alleged misdemeanors to felonies is still not clear and won't be until the indictment is sealed on Tuesday. Hmm. So there you go. team of lawyers monitoring this show at all times for your protection (laughs) nightly red eye radio we are not like the view (laughs) i still laugh at that though i mean that's still the best ever that the view has to do that because uh they they lie so big that in real time they have lawyers listening so in the next segment they that's already happened. They have to read a letter stating, well, I'm sorry, this wasn't uh, correct. I've just, I've just never heard that in the history of broadcasting. I've never heard that. I, I just, I can't imagine. <laughs> you just wonder, can they, can they see the lawyers from where they're sitting? Do they look across and are the lawyers right there looking at them? And you get all nervous before you get on the air because everything I can't imagine. <laughs> I mean, I've done this long enough 
where I know, you know, when you do it for three decades, you know, you know what defamation is. You know, you know, you just, you know what it is. I mean, it's pretty clear that you, you know what it is. And, and if you don't, you've probably been sued and lost. But I, I just can't imagine being in a situation like that. It's like, okay. All right, you're on the air now. Now remember, there are three lawyers listening to everything that you say. <laughs> oh my. All right. So it seems like, especially after that Yahoo story came out yesterday was leaked, that still everything indicates what we originally thought it was. Which is, in case you don't know, and I was seeing that uh the, the latest poll is out. That shows that it's 75% of Americans that believe that politics has something to do with it. But the majority of Americans agree that the indictment is right. So they know it's so you got a great segment out there that believe politics, you know, has something to do with it, but still are in favor of the indictment. We'll get to that poll coming up here in just a little bit. But what is it? See, I don't think you can actually know if you know what is going on here it's very hard that's why you've had legal experts look at this even on the left and go no in fact we'll have one coming up in just a moment here but it seems like what they're going after is uh 34 counts of business fraud and just to go over it again because we know we have first-time listeners here what uh bragg apparently is going after trump for is the fact when uh, Michael Cohen uh, paid off Stormy Daniels and Bragg is alleging that Trump had an affair with Stormy Daniels and then Michael Cohen paid off Stormy Daniels and then Trump reimbursed Cohen and on the checks that he wrote to him, said they were for legal expenses and not hush money. Now, from what we know, there is nothing, no indication that he used it for insurance fraud. And this is one of the, the, the big things that has really come up over the last couple of days. Because it seemed like a week ago, people were saying, well, you know, it could go either way. And that is the intent to defraud. And I haven't heard any pushback, whether it was Bill Barr or uh, other legal experts that said, where's the intent to defraud? You know, who's losing out of this? You commit fraud in order to get something for yourself by ripping somebody else off. Was it insurance fraud? Did you use it? Was it tax fraud? Was it federal tax? Was it state? Did you do Use it on estate taxes. There's no indication of that. And what they surmise is that they are looking at the fact that that was, even though Trump used his personal and or corporate money to do it, he owns the company, that in essence he did it only so that information wouldn't come out and he could be elected president. That that would hurt him. And so the hush money was uh, you know, only uh, so he could be elected president. Therefore, 
it was, what do they call it, an in-kind campaign contribution to benefit you, and therefore it's a campaign contribution. And therefore, if he committed the business fraud to commit the other crime of campaign, you know, a campaign finance reform crime, uh, then that's what ups it to a felony because the business fraud itself is a misdemeanor. And the statute of limitations on that ran out a long, long time ago. Now, say the Yahoo story said that the source didn't tie in, you know, what, you know, uh, uh, what the, what do they call it? Uh, oh, um, not piggybacking uh, the, uh, when, when you take the one crime and it becomes a felony if you're going to attach it to another crime. We'll call it piggybacking here for a moment. Uh, uh, now, they didn't, the source didn't say that. So my question would be, is there something else they're looking into? Does he believe that that was a, did Bragg believe that was a weak case and they have Trump on tax fraud? Or something, because there is nothing else that makes any sense. You just don't know where to go. And and legal minds, much greater than mine, have tried to speculate if it's not that, what would it be that they're going after Trump for? The other thing that has come up is whether the, the uh, judge will put a gag order in. Now, Trump's supposed to speak, I think, tomorrow night, but Bragg has a press conference tomorrow afternoon. Now, will the judge put in a gag order where Trump can't talk about the, the case? This is really concerning because Trump is going to be campaigning for the next year, and he wants to campaign on DA corruption. And so Alan Dershowitz, the liberal civil rights uh, attorney, was on Fox News last night. Here's what he had to say about that and more. Tragically, judges have done that. They've done it recently. Uh, I was glad to see Joe uh, be optimistic that they're not going to do it in this case. But if they did do it in this case, I would immediately put together uh, some of the great First Amendment lawyers in America as amicus because we would be the victims. There are two First Amendment rights, the right of the speaker, but the right of the listener, according to Justice Thurgood Marshall, is just as important. But I hope that won't happen because that would really mean a, 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 a body blow to the First Amendment. And today you couldn't even count on the American Civil Liberties Union to defend the First Amendment on behalf of Donald Trump because they would lose all of their funding. You know, the only disagreement I have with Joe, who's a great lawyer, I think he's too much of an optimist. I cannot imagine an elected judge in the borough of Manhattan throwing out this case and having to go to his family and say, I'm the lawyer who freed Donald Trump or his friends or his business associates. All he has to do is remember what happened to me when I defended, just defended Donald Trump on the Senate, lost all of my friends, clients, business associates, and no judge is going to want to be, quote, Dershowitz. So but, you're but, not going to have an opportunity to get a fair assessment of statute of limitations, change of venue. This is a fixed case if it's tried in Manhattan. And in professor, my book, uh, professor, well, hold on a second. You're a Harvard yeah. professor, and you're That's basically right. saying the rule of law does not exist here. You are basically saying, go ahead. It does not exist for Donald Trump. 
In my book, Get Trump, I prove that the rule of law has an exemption. There is the rule for everybody else, and there's the rule for Donald Trump, his lawyers, his associates, his family. This from a man who voted against Trump and intends to vote him against him again. Donald Trump wrote to me today as he was getting on the plane. He said, Alan, getting ready to leave for New York, can't really believe it. These maniacs want to destroy our country. So sad. Nothing on Hunter or Biden. Anyway, your words are very important. Save America. P.S. Congrats on the book. Doing very, very well. The thesis of the book is the rule of law does not apply to Donald Trump in the borough of Manhattan. There you go. And that's the one thing, too, when you see that the, the polling out there, there are a number of people believe politics is involved in this. There are Democrats that know there are politics are involved in it. They know it's not about the rule of law. If that's the case that Bragg is bringing, they don't care. And that's a problem. That's a problem when people don't care about the law. And it's what we're dealing with right now. And you look at, you know, the, and I think one of the, the great uh, juxtapositions uh, that has been uh, put out lately is the fact that, you know, we always say that, uh, you know, that, um, uh, you know, if somebody, if, if, if somebody high up, you know, gets away with a crime, we say, well, we'd never get away with it. And now everything has been turned upside down where it's like, wow, now the person who is up there, you know, a former president, a, a billionaire, a well-known name that now the narrative is, wow, if this happened to you, you wouldn't be prosecuted. He's being prosecuted because it's him. Really interesting to see if this, if Bragg, if this is all he has, if everything is related as we know, uh, I just, uh, the there will be a, there will be a, a a firestorm of public opinion against us, loud public opinion uh, against us, because what we know right now, it's bogus. And how do we know? Because no Democrat is willing to discuss the actual legalities of the case. You hear things like, no one is above the law. It's about time they got Trump. No one on the left is arguing with somebody like Dershowitz. Nobody is arguing with a Jonathan Turley. Nobody is actually arguing the New York law. We'll see whether Bragg tries to do it tomorrow and if he has something else. Because there's still a part of me that says he can't be this stupid, that there has to be something else, because it's so bizarre. You just can't believe that he's going forward with this and so i guess we'll see tomorrow unless something comes out of (laughs) legitimately left field but wow what a time in american history we're living in and it's not a it's not a good time in american history 86690 red eye we'll be right back with more red eye radio with eric harley and gary mcnamara Friday Radio. He's Eric Harley. He's quiet quitting. <laughs> I just I got a, a listener 
messaged me yesterday and just said, Eric has laryngitis. He's not there. He's quiet quitting. <laughs> His laryngitis is still bad, so hopefully he uh, will uh, return ASAP, and I just don't know when that is. He still had, from what he texted me yesterday, he still has no voice, none. So, uh, Coming up, uh, we'll have uh, more of uh, possibly what will happen uh, at the uh, preliminary hearing, the uh, uh, arraignment uh, tomorrow, and then what will the what possibly might the Trump defense do? Uh, there will be no cameras in the courtroom. Several media organizations, including CBS News, had petitioned to allow video and photo coverage, but uh, New York is one of the strictest uh, has one of the strictest policies in the country against cameras in the courtroom. The judge ruled that five photographers would be allowed in the courtroom before the arraignment begins to take photos for several minutes. After that, no photography will be permitted in the courtroom. Electronic devices, including cell phones and laptops, will also not be permitted. Cameras will be allowed in the hallways of the uh, uh, courthouse. Uh, the other thing is Trump will not be handcuffed. Uh, apparently, he will. there will not be a mugshot of him either. So those two things are not happening. Trump's legal team wanted cameras kept out of the courtroom, saying that they would create a circus-like uh, atmosphere, raise unique security concerns, and are inconsistent with uh, President Trump's presumption of uh, innocence. Trump's attorneys wrote to the judge on Monday saying this case presents extraordinary security concerns, including Secret Service-related concerns, and we submit that any video or photography of the proceedings will only heighten uh, those serious concerns. The attorneys also said that any video or photography of the proceedings will detract from both the dignity and the decorum of the proceedings and interfere with the fair administration of uh, justice. The uh, Manhattan District Attorney's uh, Office, which is prosecuting Trump, did not take a position on whether cameras should be allowed in the courtroom in its own letter to the judge on Monday. But the letter noted that New York's highest court has upheld the constitutionality of the law, prohibiting audio and visual coverage of most courtroom proceedings. So there you have it. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are 866-90-RED-EYE. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric is still out. Laryngitis. Hopefully he's back soon. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today, and you can listen when and where you want. If you cannot listen live overnight, coming up here, uh, oil prices uh, 
skyrocketed yesterday after the uh, announcement that uh, Saudi and other countries and OPEC are going to reduce production again, showing how vulnerable we are to what happens in the uh, Middle East. And yeah, I mean, it's you, you get back to what we always stated that, you know, I'm old enough to remember the left going crazy that every war we fought was about oil. And then we got to the point where we can become self-sufficient in oil and natural gas. And then the left didn't want to be self-sufficient. And we talked about this before. We don't have to rely on the Middle East. The Middle East becomes a less important place to us. If all these wars were fought about oil, well, then if we can produce our oil, well, then why don't we do that? Why isn't there a national effort to uh, to do that? Why do we want to remain as the Democrats do, why does why do the Democrats want to be dependent on autocratic governments for our oil? That's a question that isn't brought up to them. The media won't ask them that question. We all know it's a great question. They just won't do it. So we'll get to that story coming up here in a little bit. Uh, the Trump arraignment tomorrow in New York. What might some of the strategy be? Uh, you had uh, Douglas uh, Schoen, Saul Weisenberg, uh, uh, Schoen, a, a former Trump impeachment lawyer, uh, Weisenberg, a, a, a former uh, federal prosecutor on uh, Fox News. And David Schoen was asked, what, you know, what might be some of the motions that the Trump defense files ASAP? David, let me start with you. You heard the optimism from the Trump camp. Uh, what are the chances something is, is quickly dismissed? And if not, what, what does the process look like? Well, I think the, the chances uh, I, I can't really predict, but I think that there are at least three motions that ought to be filed immediately after the arraignment. First of all, as to the process, you know, I've been through this with this judge on a high profile yeah. case. They're going to process uh, President Trump um, like they normally do, uh, take certain pedigree information and so on. And then he'll go to Judge Merchan's courtroom. Judge Merchan usually allows a still photographer to take one picture while he's sitting at the defendant's table, and he will move through it pretty quickly. Question is whether at the arraignment they'll also set a motion schedule. Um, that's kind of up in the air, I think. Um, but they're going to uns- unseal the indictment before the arraignment, so at least the lawyers can look at it then. I don't think there was any reason to seal it until now, but that's what they've chosen to do. But anyway, I think there are three motions they should file immediately after the arraignment. One is a motion to dismiss on statute of limitations ground. Very interesting arguments there. Uh, one would be a motion to dismiss and disqualify uh, District Attorney Bragg, I think, based on his campaign statements, specifically targeting President Trump and promising to convict him when he wasn't even under investigation. And third, I would personally move to recuse the judge. I think that there's uh, monkey business going on with the, ju- with the judge shopping process, and I have an historic uh, basis for making that claim. Uh, but we'll see. I don't think it's coincidental that he was a judge on the Trump Organization case and the Bannon case and now this case. And they in the past have acknowledged the practice of judge shopping. You know, it's uh, interesting not only what he said, but what Dershowitz said. You know, think about this. Some of the the biggest critics of where the judicial system is going that 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 is being used by liberals is the old school liberals. If you look at a Jonathan Turley, if you look at uh, Dershowitz, who we played last hour, and uh, Douglas Schoen saying the you know the 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 same thing. You can't trust these people. They're not about anything to do with fairness. That all of this is political and making the case, implying the case that the judge is also political here too. And the same thing from Dershowitz. 
Dershowitz insistent that, and, and think about this, all these things that Dershowitz is talking about favors the party that he has voted for, and yet he is just livid about it. Well, the party he did vote for. Now, he said he won't vote for Trump. I don't know if that means he will vote for Biden. And you really wonder what's going in the mind, going through the minds of old school liberals here when it comes to the, 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 the justice system. You know, we talked about Nancy Pelosi coming out and saying uh, Donald Trump will have a chance to prove his innocence. It was like, my God, do the do liberals even understand where they were? Because remember, she's old enough to be an old school liberal. Do they even remember where they used to be when it came to things like freedom of speech and freedom of religion? When it came to, you know, uh, First Amendment rights, when it when it came to uh, having a, a, a justice system that was fair, do any of them remember it? It's almost as if they've completely forgotten. So when you see this passion that is coming from loyal, lifelong liberals, Dershowitz's been a liberal for way over a half a century. When it's somebody like Dershowitz comes out and says, you can't depend on the ACLU. The ACLU, this was when in, in, in talking about the, uh, the a possible gag order if it was put on, the ACLU won't prosecute it because they'll lose money. If you've seen the ACLU commercials on TV, oh, my gosh, <laughs> they are so liberal. It's like, wow. And so the ACLU isn't what they used to be either. Everything is tainted with political activism, everything. And that's not, that's coming directly from lifelong liberals. Uh, let's continue in this as uh, uh, Saul Weisenberg has also asked what he thinks is going to happen. Here we go. Yeah, it certainly looks like it in this case. Um, Saul, I got to get your take on this, though, because late tonight, just moments ago, Michael Isikoff reported, and this is just early reporting, that Donald Trump will be charged with 34 felony counts. For falsification of business records, but he will not be put in handcuffs, as has been reported, placed in a jail cell or subject or subjected to a mugshot. So now they're saying no mugshot, no handcuffs, but 34 felonies, Saul? Your, your reaction, if that reporting is correct. Well, you know, Spikey, Michael Isikoff, that's his nickname, usually gets his stories <laughs> right. But like we've talked about on this show, uh, you can gin up a prosecution whether it be a misdemeanor or a felony, with a lot of counts. The key thing for people to watch for, Pete, is what is the substance here? Remember what the statute, the statute is falsification of business records, which is a misdemeanor unless you're trying to cover up another crime. So take a look at what that other crime is. If it's a campaign finance violation, boy, that's an incredibly weak case. Uh, for reasons I'd be happy to explain. But who knows? It could be something else. It could sure. be state tax law. But the key is to look at, does it look like it's petty, or is it something really substantive? You know, that's that's interesting that he said state tax law, because that's exactly what we've been saying over the last couple of days. Could it be something like this? Because the case seems so incredibly weak. Would they actually bring that? Now, I don't know. I mean, this if, if it was state tax law, who knows? It, that might, because it wouldn't be federal tax law. It would be state tax law because he's a state attorney. So, and Weisenberg said that, and it's like, okay, did, you know, do they have it on his state forms where, here's the thing, he's the first one that I've heard say that. We asked the question, you know, could it be insurance, uh, you know, 
that that if you looked at, you know, you have to have an intent to defraud. So if you were defrauding, and we said the federal government or the state government, uh, you know, on taxes or uh, insurance fraud, well, then you have would have an intent to defraud, which we are being told is a requirement, you know, for fraud to begin with. And you wonder, would he go in with no intent to defraud, you know, in the that would make the case incredibly weak. Now, what would it be for the state tax law? I haven't heard any legal expert except Weisenberg right there just bring it up. And so I just wonder, okay, how would how would that apply? Um, you know, it, on the one case for Stormy Daniels, it would be, you know, Trump's already earned the income, so I don't know what that would be unless he attempted to deduct it as a business expense, as a legal fee, that would be, now that would be fraud. If if he took what the, the payment to it and tried to deduct it as a, you know, as a, a, a business legal fee, that would be, that would be something that you could at that point then say, see, there's the intent to defraud. And you'd be defrauding the state of New York tax dollars. That would be a tough one if that was it. Again, complete and total speculation here. So, but it's just the thing that have been has been sitting with me all along. From what we're told about the case and trying to relate it to campaign finance law is so incredibly weak. Then um, that the only thing that that we could think of was that on his state taxes, you know, he took a deduction if i'm trying to find i don't know if the crime exists i'm trying to find what would be a legit crime that you could up it up to a felony well the other thing would be is trump tried to deduct his legal fees for his you know uh his his legal fees as part of his taxes that would be an intent to defraud and i don't know if that's the case i'm just looking for something that would make sense in my mind or sense to anybody out there, but if that isn't there or you can't figure out that intent to defraud, which you can't if you're trying to tie it to campaign finance violation, um, I don't see how this case goes anywhere. If you want to get in, we do have a line open. I did like my question yesterday, though. I mean, it's and, but it's still a question for a year from now. But I think did I think Bill Barr commented on it and said, "No way, I wouldn't let Trump testify." <laughs> but if it gets to that point, <laughs> should Trump testify? Eight six six ninety red eye. Surviving and thriving as an owner operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. Costs are not the same each month. If 9,600 miles are driven one month and 10,000 miles the next, two different sets of costs apply for each month. For example, if your tractor payment is $1,850 per month and you drive 9,600 miles in the month, your tractor payment is costing you 19.3 cents per mile. Drive 10,000 miles, though, and that same payment will cost you 18.5 cents per mile. This is one of your major fixed costs while paying off a truck loan. The difference in this example is only a fraction of a cent, which may seem like small change, but it ultimately amounts to $960 more annually on the bottom line. Because though fixed costs do not go down over time, 
you can reduce your cost per mile with more paid miles. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Friday Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric uh, is still out uh, sick, still has no voice uh, at all. While, while, uh, by the way, while doing our coverage today of uh, the Trump arraignment later on today, we'll also go through the other stories that are uh, out there. Oil prices rose Monday after OPEC uh, plus Oil Alliance unexpectedly cut production by more than a million barrels a day. Brent crude oil, the global benchmark, hit $84.80 a barrel by 8.30 a.m., an increase of nearly $5 or more than 6%. Um, the the, uh, OPEC Plus uh, are collectively cutting production by more than 1 million barrels a day starting in May until the end of the year. At the same time, Russia said it is reducing production to 500,000 barrels of oil a day until the end of the year. This puts the total oil production from most OPEC Plus members and Russia at about 1.6 million barrels per day. The reductions are in addition to 2 million barrels per day. Uh, cut in October. Gas prices have been rising in the United States over the past month, with the average price for a regular uh, regular gas at three fifty, up from three thirty nine a month ago. And from what I see, I didn't I didn't check the uh, the gas station on the way into work, the one that I usually use as my as my benchmark. But uh, it was up to three twenty eight, so that was. Seven, or three thirty-four, I think it was. That's seventy-five cents from the load that it reached up seventy-five cents from the load that it reached at the end of uh, of uh, of January. And uh, gasoline prices normally, you know, increase in April because of the blends, the pollution blends that are are made. And we are probably in the next couple of months we will be entering the driving season. How the economy will affect the driving season in in general is uh, is still up in the uh, still up in the air. But it's something that we have talked about. Where we actually were a few years ago, we we could threaten the oil markets with what we were doing, and now we don't have as much impact uh, anymore. Uh, which is why I'm glad the Republicans are talking energy every day. They talked about it last week. In fact, uh, we'll have some audio coming up on that. I just wasn't able to get to it, but it fits into this story perfectly. Uh, some of the Republicans talking last week about, you know, what we what we need to do here and the delusion that uh, Democrats are selling you that we can run uh, this economy on solar and uh, 
solar and wind and that we can run everything, even though we would need probably two, three times more electricity that is currently produced. They wish to get rid of the fossil fuels. They wish to get rid of natural gas. They wish to get rid of nuclear. And so you just shake your head. And if last week was one indication, as Republicans are saying, look, these are common sense, practical uh, reasons why we should be producing more oil, natural gas, and considering uh, uh, nuclear power uh, because we need to do that. We need to be reliant on ourselves. This helps the American economy. If we need it, why shouldn't we produce it? And the other thing is that Democrats have been completely quiet on is Biden wanting to negotiate with autocrats. Why would you wish to to negotiate with dictators instead of having your own country produce the fuel? Seriously, you have to ask the question, what in God's world is going on with a political party that would rather get our energy from dictators who hate us? Makes no sense at all. None. And every single Democrat listening right now knows it. It makes absolutely no sense. Go begging to Venezuela. Begging to Saudi Arabia. Killing American jobs. Good American union jobs. Oh, I've been hearing. Oh, let's hold a... Let's hold a hearing. Let's bring in let's bring in the former CEO of Starbucks. By the way, I love every moment of it. It just shows you that one moment you can be the savior of the victims as uh Schultz was. Remember that a couple of years ago? He's the savior of the victims out there and now he's the oppressor. I love it. A warning to any liberals out there. You better toe the line. But the entire thing about Starbucks. Starbucks, we, we can't have this. Biden kills tens of thousands of the best union jobs out there. And every one of you Democrats is completely silent about it. You really don't give a damn about the jobs. You just care, does it fit my political narrative? No matter how bad my political narrative is. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. So, yeah, oil prices uh, going up. Expect gasoline prices to continue uh, to uh, uh, go up. It is, as we've stated before, it is the will of the the American people why we are in the situation that we're in today. The American people have voted for higher gasoline prices and higher energy prices. It's what the American people voted for. Very important to understand that the Democratic Party does not act uh, outside of the support that they get from Democrats. This is what the public voted for. Now, when the public gets it, they're infuriated. But it's what they asked for. They put these people into office to promote insanity. Otherwise, they would change their vote. You know, I hear hear Bill Maher, you know, scream and yell, uh, you know, the insanity, the absolute insanity of the Democrats. Yet he says, oh, I'll only vote Democrat. Why? Well, uh, because uh, Trump and and January 6th. Precisely what? You don't like the things that he has said. There was no conspiracy on January 6th. You might not like what he said. I didn't like what he said afterwards, his response. When he corrected it, yeah. But when he first came out, but it had already happened at that point. But what about the Democrats? Think about this. Could you imagine if the media covered what really happened in Russia collusion? That the Hillary campaign actually financed the entire dossier, the lies, everything. The Hillary campaign, the biggest dirty trick in political history. Most Americans don't even know it. I know because when I talk to people, they go, what? I didn't know that. Yeah, because the media hasn't covered that. But we all know it to be true. Anybody who's paying attention, the Hillary campaign, everything of Russia collusion was a lie. The only political party that colluded with the Russians was Hillary, was the Hillary campaign with Iggy Danchenko, who made up a significant portion of the lies, the salacious lies about Donald Trump and the dossier that completely destroyed uh, any chance of the Trump administration to get off on the right foot. And everybody was involved in it, from the rot of Comey and the management of the FBI to the Department of Justice to the Mueller investigation. Everything was full of rot. They all knew there was nothing there. There was nothing ever there, ever. It was all made up by the Hillary campaign. And... You know, you just, you just, you shake, you shake your head because it's issue after issue after issue after issue. And energy is the exact same way. They sell you lies that we can run everything on it, on, uh, you know, solar and wind. We told it to you yesterday, the whole thing of Joe Manchin feeling betrayed by Joe Biden. I'm betrayed. We were going to make sure that electric vehicles were built by Americans and that you couldn't get the subsidy if you were rich. 
And the Biden administration comes in, just starts changing all the definitions. Okay, now it fits. I'm betrayed. No, you were a sucker. As soon as you gave them the money, as soon as you allocated the money, they were going to find a way, as they always do, to change the language, change the definition. And what they promised the American people that they would do, they lied about. But when you look at where they go on energy and just, and and this isn't something that we promoted over and over again. You look at the border. Everything that the Democrats do are to hurt the American people. Oh, we're going to help the American people during COVID. What has it ended up doing? Hurting the American people through massive inflation. Everything about their energy policy is completely insane. Completely insane. It is energy, economic, and national security suicide, and they don't care. I've never seen, you know, you people talk about, you know, I, was, I saw John Bolton, uh, you know, say it's a mistake for the uh, for the Republicans to to uh, uh, rally behind Donald Trump. No, it's not because it's about the rule of law. Conservatives care about the rule of law. There are a lot of conservatives right now that su- that support Donald Trump, will not vote for him, but support or would rather see another candidate instead of Donald Trump that are still supporting him in this particular case. Why? Rule of law. Because rule of law is extremely important to anybody who is a conservative. And... Energy security, they don't care about. How can't you care about the American public and what they have to pay? There's this whole thing that the Democrats are compassionate. We're compassionate. Where? Not on energy. For us, we've always known it. For me, it was a long time ago when the Democrats kept promoting the fact that corporate taxes are the best way to go because you punish the evil corporations And uh, therefore, you don't tax the people. Well, only an idiot believes that. And that's what the Democrats believe. They believe the people that vote for them are complete idiots. And they can put a stealth tax on them and have them happy because they can tell them, oh, we're punishing those evil corporations. And the corporations pass it on to the consumer, which hurts the poor the most. But the poor fall for it over and over. And the poor Democrats, I want to say. The poor Democrats fall for it over and over and over again and keep voting Democratic. Why would you vote for why would you vote for someone who invited illegal immigrants to mob to the border? Why would you vote for somebody like that? Why would you vote for somebody who is selling you the delusion that wind and solar can run our entire economy, and all the grid operators now are going, whoa, what's going on here? We can't do this. We can't survive. And the Democrats are still screaming the world's going to end. So we need to do it. It just It's amazing. Issue after issue after you look at the inflation issue, everything the Democrats touch hurt the American people. And yet, 
They still are a major power in this country. What will it eventually take for Democrats to wake up and say, this isn't the way to go? When? Most Democrats are not getting, they're not getting anything out of this. Their lives are not better. But it seems as if everything, look, if you listen to this show, you know we've criticized Trump. We've criticized Trump when we disagree with him. There is no hatred. Think about the hatred that drives everything about Trump. Everything about it. The incredible hatred. Never seen this in American politics in my life, ever. Nothing like this. Now, I think that whoever comes after Trump is 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 going to uh is going to get hit hard because I think especially if they do for example if they were able to convict Trump on this even if the courts later on you know come and say okay sorry that's a bogus that's a bogus conviction on him they're going to continue doing this and now the thing is what's going to happen next how will republicans respond to this and are we going to live now in a country that's a banana republic that whoever's in power does bogus prosecutions on the party that's not in power to ensure that those people can't run for president anymore or end up in jail or can't run for political office anymore. And that's that's where the Democrats are leading here, and they're all for it. They don't care. The polls show it. 75% of Americans believe politics is playing a part in this, yet the vast majority of Democrats, even if they know it's political, are in favor of going after Trump. Why? Because it's Trump. Rule of law doesn't matter. But on energy security, I want to get back to that. Everything is, you know, that's the thing about Democrats right now. Everything is the same no matter what the issue is. Everything is the same. Everything is a lie. Hey, (laughs) the Chinese balloon. Now we know that's a lie. Is there anything that they touch? Is there anything that they promote that isn't based on a lie. Any major issue that we deal with right now in this country. I want to play this uh, audio, though, from last week as we talk about energy security. This is uh, Dan Crenshaw on the House. This is before they passed the uh, the, Dem- or the Republicans passed H.R. 1, uh, which is to you know expand natural gas and uh, and and uh, and oil production. Uh, in this country and mining and minerals and and everything else. So we get to control our destiny, not some dictator in another country. Here's uh, part of uh, Dan Crenshaw's speech last week. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Look, energy is the most important element of a prosperous society. Nothing else functions without it. Reliable electricity allows us to work at night, allows us to keep our sick and injured on life support. Heat our homes in freezing weather. Manufacture the materials that we use to build our homes. Empower the systems that allow the public to watch these remarks right here on the House floor. Energy is connected to everything. The price of energy affects the price of everything else. And the world devolves into the dark ages without it. So that might explain why Republicans think an energy bill should be labeled H.R. 1, because it's our number one priority, as it should be. We have to introduce this bill because, bewilderingly, Energy security has been under relentless attack by radical leftists and the Biden administration. They don't believe in energy security. 
They don't believe in reliable, affordable energy. They seem to think that the only energy worth pursuing is so-called renewables, the so-called solar and wind. This is, in, this is not sound policy or science. This has become a religion. And it's become an irrational pursuit of intermittent, weather-dependent energy sources that take up vast amounts of land, vast amounts of resources to make, vast amounts of critical minerals to be mined, and actually still don't deliver the security that the American people need. Now, not against these things. It'd be fine to pursue these technologies if it didn't also come with a simultaneous attack on the sources of energy that actually work, namely oil and gas. Every good thing you have in this world is because of petroleum products. Every single thing, your shoes, your cars, your iPhones, your Netflix, your Patagonia jackets, your medical devices that save your life, your heating, your cooling, literally everything. The attack on oil and gas has been relentless, and it's been deeply, deeply foolish. It started with day one of the Biden administration on the Keystone Pipeline, then executive orders banning new leases on federal lands, then refusal to permit pipelines, and then they turn around and they attack the suppliers and producers for higher prices. It's pure gaslighting. They've drained our strategic petroleum reserve, all while prioritizing the same crazy climate policies that have caused Europe to enter an energy crisis and that are now causing developing nations to be priced out of the gas markets and turn to coal production. This gets me to a, quite the irony here. The administration's policies are more likely to increase global carbon emissions as a result. And for one simple reason, and I really want everyone to understand this, by refusing to push for increased natural gas exports, we are shelving the best tool for displacing coal power around the world. Coal being burned in foreign countries accounts for about 50% of global power emissions. Natural gas is an easy substitute with half the emissions. American natural gas could easily be leveraged to increase prosperity for all and reduce emissions. There you go. We've said that many times before. Their policies, like I said, the, the Keystone Pipeline, for example, thousands of union jobs lost, and the environmentalist even said, oh, it actually increases the global warming gases. So it's not even their substance of their delusion. It's simply a narrative that isn't true. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric, uh, laryngitis still. Yeah, hopefully he's back uh, uh, soon. Coming up, following the top of uh, the hour, the Chinese spy balloon. Oh, new information out on that now. So, uh, from what we can tell, oh, there was, they actually didn't disable it. They implied they disabled it. They didn't disable it. The only intelligence that the balloon couldn't gather, apparently, was because they stopped the communications. They didn't jam the satellite. It was still picking up information from sensitive sites. We'll get to that coming up, the NBC report that's out on that. Yeah, we weren't told the truth again.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. 866-90-RED-EYE. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off because he still can't talk yet. Still has laryngitis. We're waiting, we're waiting. As of yesterday, from his text message, he still had no voice, so. Hopefully he gets well soon. Well, uh, NBC News with this story yesterday, the Chinese spy balloon that flew across the U.S. was able to gather intelligence from several sensitive American military sites despite the Biden administration's efforts to block it from doing so, according to two current senior U.S. officials and one former former senior administration official. China was able to control the balloon so it could make multiple passes over some of the sites, at times flying figure eight formations and transmit the information it collected back to Beijing in real time, the three officials said. The intelligence China collected was mostly from electronic signals, which can be picked up from weapons systems or include communications from base personnel rather than images, the officials said. The three officials said China could have gathered much more intelligence from the sensitive sites if not that the administration uh, uh, moved around potential uh, targets and obscure the balloon's ability to pick up the electronic signals by stopping them from broadcasting or emitting signals. And that's really important because it was implied that because of our technology, because this is the question that we asked, that they were able uh, to neutralize the balloon. That isn't true. What the United States military had to do was stop transmitting signals. I have have to ask a question. By doing that, does that, does that create a security problem? If you cannot go through your normal processes, if it affects... Weapon systems, did that balloon affect weapon systems? Did they have to turn them off? Uh, the Defense Department directed NBC News uh, to uh, comments that senior administration officials made in February, which was useless. On Monday, the Defense Department spokesperson reiterated that any intelligence collected had limited additive value for China, and she could not confirm that the balloon had transmitted any information back to China in real time. National Security Council spokesperson Kirby uh, John Kirby declined to answer questions Monday afternoon about what kind of electronic signals or communications the balloon could have accessed. Uh, let me get to the, I want to get to this audio cut here from, from CNN, because this is really, this is really interesting because this is CNN's take, uh, on it as they analyze this, just so you know, 
nobody's buying it. Here we go. When this Chinese spy balloon was kind of transiting across the United States back in February, it was able to capture some images as well as collect some signals intelligence from some sensitive U.S. military installations. Now, U.S. intelligence officials are not overly concerned because they say that this was not much more than what a regular Chinese satellite that is constantly orbiting above these same sites could potentially collect. But at the same time, we are learning that this Chinese spy balloon actually was able to transmit this data back in real time to the Chinese government and that the Chinese government had the capability to remotely erase the data that the Chinese spy balloon was collecting. So that raises questions about whether the U.S. government actually knows the full extent of what the balloon was able to gather because obviously now the U.S. government has been analyzing it in an FBI lab in Quantico, Virginia, and they have some sense of what the balloon was able to gather, but the possibility remains that there is much more that it was able to collect that the U.S. simply doesn't know about because Beijing was able to remotely erase it. That's not what they told us in February, was it? They, <laughs> that's the key. They don't know. But everything that they told us, don't worry, they, they implied, that's the thing that gets me, they implied that they were able to disable it. Because we had asked the question, do they have some kind of electronic pulse they could point at it? Apparently not. Oh, by the way, we have heard nothing about the three other objects Nothing. There's been complete silence, a complete blackout on the other three balloons that the United States shot down. We've heard nothing. Has anybody in Canada complained that uh, the United States was attempting to uh, attack them? This is sort of uh, like, no. Maybe like Canadian bacon or something. <laughs> Remember, let's go through some of the things that the Biden administration told us. In February. Okay, let's try that again. Let's let's uh, play some of the things that the Biden administration said in February. Once we detected the balloon, the U.S. government acted immediately to protect against the collection of sensitive information. We acted immediately to take all necessary steps to protect against foreign intelligence collection uh, of sensitive information. The U.S. has stated that steps were taken to prevent uh, any problems in terms of intelligence collection. We were also able to ensure the protection of any sensitive information that the balloon would not be able to collect against us. We protected against Chinese intelligence collection, we protected civilians, and we gained more intel while protecting our own sensitive information. The Biden-Harris administration responded swiftly to protect Americans and safeguard against the balloon's collection of sensitive information. Protecting our own sensitive intelligence and maximizing our ability to track the balloon. We were able to take steps at sensitive military sites that we believed would be all along the flight path uh, to significantly curtail any intelligence ability that the Chinese could get uh, get from, from the balloon. Yeah, you, you see how it's already evolving as you move a couple of weeks later from the very beginning that we were able to ensure that they got no sensitive information and then you hear Kirby there. He's not saying the same thing. Here we go. Let's hear exactly what he says. Well, any intelligence ability that the Chinese could get uh, get from from the balloon, we were able to. Now we'll do it again here. Let's play that again. We'll start the beginning. That we believed would be all along the flight path. We're gonna try. I'm going back a little bit further. We need to track the balloon. We were able to take steps at sensitive military sites that we believed would be all along the flight path uh, to 
significantly curtail any significantly curtail. It didn't say stop them from getting it. So that's how it evolved at that particular point. Early on, the Biden administration was lying to the American public. And now, as even CNN knows, we just don't know. We don't know what they got. And so everything that we heard from the video, and the only reason they, we, they didn't block anything. We were able to block it. They didn't block. They just turned off their signals. And as NBC reported, these are signals that actually run weapons systems. Really? Did we shut down weapons systems because of this Chinese balloon? That's my question. Everything just is a bunch of lies and bumbling and shooting down the three balloons afterwards and no comment on it at all. Nothing from our government on it. Why? Because they look like a bunch of incompetent idiots. Our military leaders, our president, look like idiots in this entire scenario. I want to know who gave the order to shoot down the three balloons. I mean, the last question that was really asked, and I forgot, who, I just remember the question. I can't remember who it was asked. I don't know if it was Kirby or or, uh, or who was asked the question. Um, but it was like, oh, so did you learn something? Because you shot down those three and you haven't shot down anything else, where did do you know now what those balloons were? Did you learn any information as to now not to shoot down other balloons? And the answer was no. It's like, well, then what the hell happened? This administration knows that they can bumble to this extent and then just stop talking about it and the media will give them cover. Could you imagine if this was, could you imagine if Balloon Gate was a Republican president, could you imagine? The Biden administration lied about it to the American public for weeks. God, just, I mean, the, the level of incompetence here. Of incompetence, politics, I don't know. I don't know what else is included in idiocy. But now we know afterwards they lied to the American public about it, as they lie about most everything. Yes, Republicans said we need to get to the bottom of this. John Tester of Montana also said, we, all, we knew all along that the Chinese invasion of our airspace was no accident. That's nothing. Uh, there's nothing more important than keeping America safe. And I'll keep holding the Biden administration accountable to ensure Montanans' freedom and privacy are protected. Well, Mr. Tester, have you done that so far? Have you held the Biden administration accountable? The Biden administration that lied to you? Mr. Tester? That lied to you to lie to the American people? And you're saying you're, you'll keep holding as if you've held them accountable, as they've lied to you, and you expect the people of Montana to buy that? I'm reading his tweet. We knew all along that the Chinese 
China's invasion of our airspace was no accident. There's nothing more important than keeping Americans safe or America safe. And I'll keep holding the Biden administration accountable. He's making it sound like he has kept them accountable. As the only reason he came out with this is because the Biden administration lied to him and lied to everybody else. And the Republicans are claiming this is new information to them that they didn't hear this in any of their, you know, top secret briefings that this was new to them, that they didn't know this. Idiocy, just idiocy. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So uh, reading here just from the Wall Street Journal's lead editorial, Biden's hot air about spy balloons. It turns out the blimp was transmitting information to Beijing in real time because we had all these questions we had asked. Uh, and uh, they said, uh, remember that when the Chinese balloon flew across the entire continental United States, the administration is hoping the public has forgotten about the February fiasco. So it's uh, all the more important to note that the Biden narrative about this spectacle is losing altitude as more details emerge. Press reports on Monday suggest a Chinese spy balloon that entered U.S. airspace near Alaska on January 28th was able to collect intelligence on American military sites. The balloon was spotted flying in Montana, home to intercontinental ballistic missile fields. The U.S. officials told NBC News that the Beijing blimp could fly in figure-eight uh, formations lingering over areas of interest. The balloon could pick up electronic signals and transfer that information to Beijing in real time. This is a sidewinder missile through the White House Pentagon talking points at the time, namely that the balloon did not present a big intelligence risk and couldn't suck up better information than Chinese satellites at low Earth orbit. Americans were surprised to believe that China were supposed to believe that China would go through the trouble of building a global balloon flotilla spotted all over Europe and Asia for no spying benefit. The administration repeated this claim all over town. The Pentagon told reporters on February 2nd that whatever the surveillance payload is on this balloon, it does not create significant value added over satellites. After President Biden ordered the balloon shot down, off the U.S. East Coast, defense officials said on February 4th that the action further neutralized any intelligence value it could have produced, preventing it from returning to Beijing. Well, we know that's bogus because they were they were making the case that it would have to get back to Beijing in order to give them the information when actually we know now that it was sent in real time. And then afterwards, they had the ability, according to NBC, to erase everything that was in there. The balloon carried a payload the size of a regional jet, and the news leaks suggest it was capable of self-destructing on command. In other words, America may have been relying on the judgment of the Chinese Communist Party to avoid damage or loss of life on the ground while the balloon was flying over the United States. 
The Biden team also played up their decision to wait to shoot down the balloon. It wasn't American hesitation or weakness, they implied, but a chess move to study the Chinese balloon program. Well, that blew up in their face, didn't it? The U.S. military took all necessary steps to protect against the balloon's collection of sensitive information, and the balloon trip was of intelligence value to the U.S., the Pentagon said on February 4th. Now you're putting on your really big boots when you hear the explanation from the Pentagon because the manure is getting taller and taller and taller. They are PhDing it, piling it higher and higher and higher. We tracked it closely. We analyzed its capabilities and we learned more about how it operates, President Biden said on February 16th. And because we knew its path, we were able to protect sensitive sites against collection. A lie. This is the same rhetorical jujitsu uh, that tried to spin the chaotic U.S. surrender in Afghanistan as a triumph of logistics. Recall that the administration only went public about the balloon after civilians in Montana had spotted it. Uh, our guess is that it kept quiet until then because it wanted to keep Secretary of State Anthony Blinken's planned trip to China on course. Once the balloon story broke, Mr. Blinken canceled the trip, and U.S.-China relations have worsened since. The latest stories make Mr. Biden's decision to wait to shoot down the balloon look worse and worse, and Congress has an obligation to figure out what American assets may have been compromised by the flyover. Lawmakers have been trying to ferret out the timeline of decisions to little illumination. The Biden team has also gone dark on the three unidentified objects that the U.S. military shot down shortly after the balloon, perhaps because they overreacted and shot down hobby aircraft. The Biden administration may insist that the intelligence Beijing gleaned wasn't that valuable, but voters can fairly conclude that the president is not leveling with them. No, he's lying to you. This has become a pattern with Team Biden, and it's undermining the bipartisan support the president needs to conduct foreign policy in an increasingly dangerous world. This is just the biggest cluster. Yeah, I know. I know. I know what the, the next word is, but it's true. But there's just, you know, I tell you, I mean, I just, it's just, the bumbling here is just unbelievable. They don't know what the Chinese got. They don't know. They don't know. And so they lie to the American public about it. But this whole thing, just such incompetence from the upper echelon of the military, and the executive branch. I mean, this is just horrible.
Call in and get a word in edgewise. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Thank you so much for uh, being here this morning. Eric is uh, under the weather. He's uh, just got that laryngitis and it just won't leave. It just, his voice is just not good. So as far as yesterday, he still could not talk. Well, I did see what uh, UConn apparently won. The uh, college basketball championship. You know, it's amazing. I don't know. I I was trying to think. I was trying to figure out why yesterday. Because I still watch a little sports. I've caught a few hockey games this year. I'll probably, uh, you know, watch some of the Masters. But this was the first year. And I don't know why I can't. It, it's it's not the it's not the politics of sports. I because I know that's it's not it. For example, in college basketball, but I I didn't watch any. I used to live. I used to live for March Madness. Seriously, I mean, I couldn't wait. Everything whenever the games would start, like eleven o'clock on Thursday, I'd you know I'd have I'd have two TVs set up. So I could watch it. For those people that don't know, I played basketball my whole life. I played it till about, ooh, uh, eh, I think maybe six years ago was the last time I played. I just might, I can play still. It's that it's the recoup, the recuperation time. <laughs> I, I had a doctor appointment last week. He said, oh, I didn't know you stopped playing basketball. I said, yeah, like six years ago. He said, but you still work out heavily. And I said, yeah, for my golf game. I still work out like a fiend. Now, one of the reasons is because I don't want this shift to kill me. That's why I work out. And the other one, that that's the number one reason. Uh, and that's why I sleep twice a day, too. And that's, thank goodness, they came naturally. And um, then the other part is for my, my golf game. He was assuming I was still playing basketball. I said, no, my... My joints can't handle it. Uh, I used to have bad water on the knees. I had sciatic nerve problems. I mean, I was a, a wreck. And uh, resistance training is what has really helped me. Everybody that I've talked to that I played basketball with in high, in high school, my last year of high school, every one of them has gotten knee or hip replacements. And I'm the only one that hasn't. It's like, oh, please, let's keep it that way. But I used to get really bad water on the knees. Nothing anymore. And all it's all been because of resistance training. Uh, the last 16 years, I've been doing it, you know, a, a lot. And that helped me play basketball probably for an additional of those 16 years, an additional eight years. And then it was like, okay, I just can't do it. I can. I remember the last time I played basketball. And so I went up. I went up to the courts, and I just wanted to – what I would do is I knew I couldn't play much anymore. I knew I was getting into that time. I just can't do it anymore. So what was I going to do? And so I'd just go up to the basketball court, and I'd find the court that nobody was on and because there were three courts where I used to play, three outdoor courts. And I would just, you know, start, you know, dribbling the ball, go down to one end, shoot, turn around and come back and shoot at the other one. 
And so I'm not really cutting and doing all the stuff you have to do that really puts that kind of stress on your knees and ankles. And I would just go back and forth and back and forth. And it would be early in the morning, normally about 8.30, 9 o'clock. The sun wasn't fully up in the sky, so I wasn't in the real bad heat. But I'd work up a real great sweat, and I was like, it was great. And then one time I went there, and there was a game going on. And most of the time, because they're a little bit shorter full courts, so it was like four on four, and there were seven people. Yeah. So they begged, come on, come on, come on. I said, I'm too old. And then the one guy said, you're not that old. He said, I'm, I, he said, I'm older than you. And I said, no, you're not. So I had to pull up my license. I had him by like, I had him like eight by 18 years. He had no idea. Like, there's no way you're that old. I go, yeah, I am. I just was blessed with good. Thank you. Thank you, mom and dad for the genes. By the way, my dad turns my dad turns ninety seven. Wow! In another week, yeah, I'm going back. I'm uh, going back a couple days after to just for a day to to celebrate his birthday. But yeah, yeah so pretty good genes. But I'll never forget. So I played and probably played for about an hour and a half. And I'm telling you, when you start going and it's hot out, you're just feeling good and you don't feel anything. Because it's hot out in your body. And I'm like, wow, I'm feeling great. This is wonderful. Because I remember it was a Saturday morning. And, I come, and I'm just all psyched. And I jump in the shower and come out of the shower. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I may swim in the pool. I'm feeling so good. Let me sit down and watch some TV and get something to eat. I couldn't move. I mean, I really, I could hardly move for, you know, just sitting down there for probably, I don't know, maybe a half hour and getting up. It was horrible. And I felt it for like three or four days. And I went, well, that's it. I can't. So I could still play. <laughs> I can't recuperate. <laughs> uh, but I don't know what it is. I So, I mean, I played basketball my whole life. And so I loved watching it. I love watching college basketball. You know, NBA to me is just too, you know, just. Has been for a while, too much one-on-one and no defense. And I love when you find those those college teams that may not have great ball players, but you know, I really enjoyed watching those teams that played team ball and were able to accomplish things. And I no interest, none. And it was I think it was when it was uh it was like that Friday. And I was done. I was done with work for the weekend, and I forgot what I was doing. But I thought maybe I should, you know, you should sit down and watch some basketball. I'm like, nah, I don't care. And I don't know what it is at my age that has made me not care. Now I am, I do plan on playing a lot more golf. I know I have a few great years left, and so taking lessons and really focusing and working hard and working out and everything else. But I still have time to watch TV, and I don't. I'll read something and put on music, and I just, but I just have no interest. I have, I won't say no interest. I do have a little interest. Like I said, I've watched a couple of hockey games, and and a little bit of golf, but not you know. Uh, I uh, I unplugged a, hmm, way over a year ago. I don't have cable anymore, no satellite. I just wasn't watching it, and so I'm just don't have the golf channel anymore. 
So normally I would start, like with the Masters this week, normally I would start on Monday, you know, which would be live at the Masters, which would be I would have that on from the time I woke up to the time that I went to sleep. And when I got home in the morning, I'd be watching just to see everything that was going on on the four majors. And I might watch a little bit of it, but I just maybe a half hour. But I don't know what it is in my life that, and it's not the politics of it. It just, thinking yesterday, I'm like, I can't figure out why, but I just have no interest, very little interest in sports anymore. Now, I will tell you this the other day, I did I did last year, I got my my twenty five year old surround sound system home theater system had it, so I got a great surround sound system. I figured, look, I'm getting old. Best TV, best surround sound system. So I have this Sonus surround sound system. It's got the sound bar. It's got the the woofer next to it, and it has two wireless. You just plug them in. It hooks up to the Wi Fi. Two wireless back speakers that. They didn't have the new app for me on Android, but they got the new app where I can control the back speakers precisely how I want it. I did turn on a baseball game the other day that was in 5.1 surround sound. And the reason I did that was so I could hear a baseball game. So I actually, I don't even know who who was playing, but it was, I turned it on. I went, let me check, let me check. Oh, it's in 5.1 surround sound. All right, let me... Let me check and adjust the speaker so it's perfect. And actually, the 5.1 surround sound was so good that when the pitcher threw the ball, when it would hit the catcher's mitt, you would hear it hit twice because one microphone has to be hundreds of feet away from the other one. So you'd hear thump, thump from two different speakers. And that's why I watched it. I wanted to hear how 5.1 surround sound would sound from a baseball game. And then I turned it off. I didn't. I think it was the Rangers. It was the rain. Yeah, the Texas Rangers were playing. <laughs> but I didn't care about the game. It's like, wow, the surround sound. Because when you have a real good system, you can be sitting there, as you know, and somebody could sit there and go, throw the bums out. You hear it from the back speaker. Or you turn around going, who's in my kitchen back there? Oh, no, no, it's the speaker. So that was more the interest in what the sound would be like uh, rather than, um, you know, rather than the sport. And that's the other thing I found out with my surround sound system. So many of those, even you think you got the concerts that are in perfect 5.1 surround sound, most of them aren't. And like almost all the CDs or almost all my DVDs that, that are from, oh, I don't know, uh, 10 years ago, if they are 5.1, they're not good, but most of them aren't. The new ones sound great. New ones sound great. But there you go. So I don't know. I can't figure out. So I the I saw the game, you know, that uh, UConn won. And I knew, you know, against San Diego. And I knew they were in it. And I, knew, I had heard of the upsets. I mean, because I do read. But I had no interest in actually watching any of them. And I don't know why. And I don't know if, if originally it was the politics of the NFL that made me stop watching the NFL. And I really wasn't watching much of the NBA uh, at that time anyway. Uh, but n- now it has nothing to do with politics. I just, for some reason, just don't care. It's like, hmm, whatever. So there you go. Coming up, more on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and a Chinese company and more. And James Comer now. And I 
not surprised this is coming out because I do think that, you know, uh, one of the things that I've gotten uh, from response from Republicans is when are the Republicans going to go after, you know, Joe Biden? You know, the things there are legit. You're talking influence peddling. We know the influence peddling was there. It's getting to the bottom to find out if anything illegal was done. But influence peddling itself, whether illegal or not, you take money from the Chinese, the American public doesn't like that. So we'll get uh, to that, the latest from James Comer, who says four business associates of Biden are willing to talk under oath. So there you go. (laughs) Hey, prosecute now. That's more than what we know Bragg has on Trump. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, Eric uh, still under the weather with uh, laryngitis, and as of yesterday, still had no voice at all. So, um, under medication and everything else, and we just hope that he is uh, okay. Not really sure what, uh, what caused it. We uh, have been pretty short i know that he's not feeling good so the last thing i want to do is you know if he volunteers it fine but otherwise i'm just letting him be but uh he said he was uh coughing and and wheezing and everything else you know really bad and i think it hurts uh when he tries to talk or or the throat is just extremely sore so he didn't say it was strep throat or anything like that but uh We just hope that he is okay and is back here real soon. Coming up, we do have a liberal transgender activist movement update here. We'll tell you about a uh, woman's golf tour in uh, in uh, Australia, where a trans golfer won. Excuse me, a trans woman golfer won, and uh, they didn't make that note, and then they canceled uh, any replies on the post about the victory. Getting to be good. And also, there it is here. The editorial board of the San Francisco Chronicle is urging the city adopt a response similar to which New York City used after 9-11 to save the downtown and the entire Bay Area from economic collapse. Wow. And we will have the latest on what's going to happen today at the arraignment. Lots of audio that we played at the beginning part of the show that we like to play sort of as we get towards the end of the show because uh, we know a lot of people that you know go to sleep with us. I mean, they when they're listening to the beginning of the show, they're asleep by the time we get... That's how long the show is. <laughs> that they're asleep and then we have new people coming in as we get to the latter part of the show. So we want to play all the pertinent audio concerning the Donald Trump arraignment today in New York City. That and more coming up. What's your calls to? 866-90-RED-EYE.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric is out. Laryngitis still. Hopefully he returns soon. Good morning. Thank you for being here. We always uh, appreciate it. Uh, Coming up still, we'll have uh, more on the arraignment of Donald Trump a little bit later on today and what you might uh, expect as to what type of motions uh, the defense for Donald Trump uh, will uh, want uh, to uh, initiate here. We'll get to uh, that. This is really interesting. A uh, couple of topics out there on uh, on Hunter Biden. Uh, four Biden family business associates are cooperating with the Hunter, excuse me, with with the House investigation into President Joe Biden and his family. House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer said yesterday he's investigating Joe Biden and the Biden family for nine violations, including money laundering and wire fraud. The pro the the probe has encompassed. Uh, going after bank records and demanding cooperation from family business associates. We are in the communication with four former Biden family business associates, Comer Toad Fox Business. They are cooperating with our investigation. And I will tell you, it's very concerning, he said, about the information the whistleblowers revealed to their committee. The committee was not able to confirm to Breitbart News who the four members uh, uh, were due to their whistleblower status. Uh, But uh, one member is likely Hunter Biden's top financial lieutenant, Eric Schwerin. Um, In February, a spokesperson for the committee told Breitbart News that uh, he was soon expected to provide documents uh, to Comer's probe. I'm going to guess Bob Ulinsky is probably one of them, right? I mean, that. Now, I mean, well, wait a minute. If they're whistleblower status, would that be Bobby Linsky Because or would he be outside of that four? Because he's already known. Uh, meanwhile, this is really interesting. This is something that we asked early on. Because of where the classified information was found and the variety of places that the classified information was found, Uh, And we're talking not Donald Trump. We're talking uh, Joe Biden and the fact that Hunter stayed at the house where there was classified information and classified information was found in a variety of different places as it had been separated. One of the things we always asked was, hmm, does any of these things relate to the Chinese government? And any of the business dealings that the Bidens had? Well, let's go to James Comer yesterday on Fox Business News as he discusses that. Uh, But yet they still raided him. Joe Biden, we don't know the true extent. 
of what he's done. All we know is he has classified documents scattered all over the place, dating back to his time as a U.S. senator. Uh, there's one document in particular that I can tell you from my investigation of Biden family influence filing, we're very concerned about with respect to uh, a document that that Hunter Biden sent to uh, officials at Burisma in Ukraine. It was a government document. We're concerned that uh, it may have been one of the classified documents, but yet no raid of, of Joe Biden's uh, Class, you know, his different locations of classified documents and nothing on the website for the National Archives about Joe Biden. If you just looked at the National Archives website, you would see they raided Donald Trump. But there's no mention of Joe Biden having five different uh, locations. So this is a trend that that continues. Uh, we're concerned about it. Maria, to answer your question, I think we're going to have to do something about the funding. Uh, we believe that uh, tax dollars are, are being misspent. Uh, with the DOJ's continued weaponization, their continued efforts to go after conservatives. Uh, again, we don't think that Donald Trump would be in Manhattan uh, court today were it not for him being a leading contender for the, the presidency in 2024. There you go. It was interesting. I'm reading his here because I was on Breitbart, looking at Breitbart News. Breitbart News senior correspondent and contributor in Government Accountability Institute, Peter Schweitzer, said on this week's broadcast, uh, oh, on Fox News, that the mainstream media has a stunning disconnect into investigations into President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, and the Chinese business dealings. And uh, uh, he said, uh, <laughs> I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I find it, you know, it, it is in a way, it is it perversely is humorous because if this was any, if this was any Republican president, they probably would have been impeached already. Oh, oh! Speaking of impeachment, I got to find it. I, I just this has popped into my head right now. I started thinking about it. Uh, I saw uh, the great conservative columnist uh, Victor Davis Hanson being interviewed, and he's the one. He actually brought up what we brought up many times, but before that, what we have learned because of Hunter Biden totally nixes the first impeachment against Trump. Because now, now we know there was genuine concern. There was genuine concern. Uh, and the concern that Trump said he had uh, about possible law breaking or influence peddling with the Biden family is actually true, as we know now. But he's I we have said this for the longest time and we've been waiting. We've been trying to find anybody who is, you know, connected that same dot. And go, wait a minute. Doesn't this invalidate the first impeachment? I just w- want to let you know. Yeah. Somebody else said that there was uh, Victor Davis Hanson said that. And I was va- very happy to see that. Uh, the one thing that I get from a lot of Republicans, I got one the other day, a, a caller, who said, but why aren't we holding hearings and arresting people now? I said, well, what you have with Congress is the Republicans have only been in charge for a little over two months of the House. You know, Will they eventually have hearings? Yes, I believe they will. Do they have the information they need? No, I don't believe they believe. I don't believe they believe they have all the information they, they want that when they come out that they can slam in a slam dunk way connect all the dots but that would be if that would be fascinating if that document because it's not going to be hard to figure out comer says he has the document they have the document that hunter sent barisma and he suspects it's the same it's the same document one of the same documents or a copy of the 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 document or he has a copy of the document that was part of the classified material found at one of Biden's properties. Whoa. Well, you better find out for, uh, for sure on the, on that one.
But I guess you have to ask, are they really telling anybody anything? You know, you saw, who was it that came out? It wasn't Tester. Who was the Democrat that came out last week and said they're not telling them anything about, you know, the the the, the Biden documents, that they were supposed to get a briefing. They really didn't learn anything about the Biden documents at all. Same thing we're finding out on their briefing on the Chinese satellites satellite as we know they really didn't you know they didn't learn anything republicans are like we didn't know any of this we didn't know what you know what they didn't we didn't know you know it wasn't that they said something to the public and then let us know why they weren't being honest with the american public on the chinese satellite so that's where we are so that's interesting to see where that's uh going you think about it if they If they were able to connect the dots on Trump the way already, and we're not fully there with Biden, on influence peddling, was a Republican, they would have been impeached already. Would have already happened. Probably would have happened over a year ago. One of the things, because what we hear now is that, okay, prosecutors on, you know, Republican prosecutors are going to be going after uh, Democrats. Well, I would hope that they would go after Democrats. If they go after Democrats, I hope they would go after them with legit charges. Because it doesn't do any good if Republicans do the same thing and you fail on appeal. The one thing I don't want to be is I don't want to be exactly like the Democrats. Now, I do want to hold them and I do want Republicans to be more aggressive in things like the influence peddling. And I want them to remain focused and I want them to repeat things over and over and over again that they know are true. The Democrats will repeat things over and over again that they know are false and it becomes a narrative. I bet you half of Americans believe that Donald, I bet you more than half of Americans don't know that Donald Trump was set up by Hillary Clinton in the whole Russia collusion thing. It was Hillary. It was bought and paid for by the Hillary campaign. I saw. Oh, Hillary was with uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi. They're having a discussion yesterday, and she's talking about Trump and his, you know, and and Vladimir Putin. And nobody got up and said, "Excuse me, that's all false. You created that." And the only way you get the only way you get the media to pay attention is to keep repeating it. Then they're going to have to eventually fact check you on it. Republicans have a problem with not wanting to repeat things over and over and over and over and over again. The Democrats have learned, repeat the same lie and people buy it. Well, repeat the truth over and over again, and people have to keep repeating it and saying it because it's true. It's very tough to say that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians because we all know that's false. The Hillary campaign, by their own standards, are the only political party or presidential campaign that colluded with the Russians in 2016. But Republicans, that's what I want. Keep repeating the truth over and over again. Don't say it one day and then forget and get distracted. You take those 10 truths that you know and you repeat them every single day in some form. 
866-90-RED-EYE. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. Compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA, is the FMCSA safety compliance and enforcement program. Its goal is to hold motor carriers and drivers accountable for highway safety and to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities on our roads. CSA does this by assessing the safety performance of motor carriers and drivers based on data collected during roadside inspections, crash reports, and FMCSA investigations. Based on the data that is compiled, motor carriers are assigned a score. The carrier is then grouped with other carriers who have had a similar number of safety events. Carrier scores within the group are then ranked to determine intervention priority. Low scores are better, so carriers with the highest scores are those that are most likely to be targeted for intervention by the FMCSA. Interventions range in severity and may include warning letters, roadside, off-site, or on-site inspections, civil penalties, or operation out-of-service orders. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric still has learned. Uh, it is. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Coming up here, we'll have uh, more. We'll go uh, point by point on what we learned uh, yesterday about what is going to happen uh, today at uh, Trump's arraignment in New York City. The latest report we had, and that was, uh, was Michael Isakoff from Yahoo News, stating there will be 34 felony indictments, which would be the business fraud relating to another crime. His sources don't say what the other crime would be. Uh, we we uh you know talking about the last two weeks about that other crime uh is most likely uh campaign finance reform i don't see it i still think there's something in me that says nah even if they're they're just going to come up with something else it's got to be something else now i don't know what that something else is but you cannot get to intent to defraud with the campaign you know election violation you just you can't get there i just don't see how they get there and you know one thought was as we said yesterday and i heard more people bring it up maybe it's something to do with state tax fraud and i'm like well the only reason the only way you could get there is how well okay he deducted that as a business expense on his state taxes because he's a state attorney so he can't go after the federal so i mean again that's just a complete guess because i just think there has to be something else in there, even if it's even if it's something that's not credible, like the campaign finance reform, uh, you know, narrative. It's got to be something else, something new, just to take people's mind off of that track, which nobody found legit. So maybe I'm wrong on that, but I just, that just keeps sitting with me. So uh, we'll get to that and uh, and more. Whether there will be a a gag order? Oh, we do know this. So the president will not be handcuffed there will be not be a mugshot he won't have to take a mugshot so uh we do know well we know that from michael isakoff's uh column from from uh, his sources so 
We shall see. We'll know. Less than 12 hours from now, we, we will know. Uh, you know, what the situation is, and we'll be able to analyze what the actual charges are and whether there's any legitimacy to the actual charges. Meanwhile, from Australia, the Women's Professional Golf Association of Australia turned off replies to its tweet about biological male Brianna Gill winning its classic women's golf tournament. The Women's Professional Golf Association of Australia added a tweet on Sunday reading, showing nerves of steel. Brianna Gill triumphed in a playoff for her first professional win at the Australian Women's Classic. That's a quote. Not only did the post fail to mention that Gill is a biological man, <laughs> But the league also turned off comments on the post so no one could reply. <laughs> I'm reading this here from Breitbart. Oh, and then they mentioned, we haven't heard about, here it is, podcast host Megan Kelly was disgusted by the WPGA's tweet and noted that even if in its story about the win, on the world's professional, or excuse me, the Women's Professional Golf Association website, Gill is never correctly identified as a male golfer who claims to be female. This is a biological man, a fact not even mentioned in much of the major press coverage celebrating her win over the actual women in this tournament. It's a fraud, it's immoral, and it has to stop. It's the ultimate in misogyny. Again, men deciding the definition of a woman. Oh, it just reminded me. I got to find. I thought I saved that somewhere. I got to find it. You see the new, the uh, the new New Zealand uh, prime minister. They asked him to define a woman, and he wasn't prepared for the question. He stumbled and then said, "Well, I wasn't prepared that you were going to ask me that question." That that now is a question on the left that they have to think about. I need to prepare and do research before you ask me what a woman is. <laughs> oh, man. By the way, that's something that the Republicans should be pounding constantly. Democrats can't define a woman. Democrats can't define a woman. Democrats, you know, they bring it up once in a while. They need to pound on it and pound on it. Again, and this is advice we've given to the Republicans for years. It seems like the Democrats will lie about something and pound on it for years, and it becomes effective. The Republicans have the truth behind them. They say it once, and they figure, well, it's the truth. Everybody recognizes it, and then they go on their way. No, you pound it over and over and over and over again. So, yes, <laughs> that's where we're that's where we're going. But this is easy to defeat. And one of the things is the more that the liberal transgender activist movement uh, becomes top of mind, the greater the opportunity for us to debate it and show the fallacies of it and show the lies of the liberal transgender activist movement.
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley taking your calls. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. And I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, Eric is uh, off today, still having problems with his throat. Very bad laryngitis. He said he, as of yesterday, about, I think it was about 3 o'clock, so about a little over 12 hours ago is when he texted me and said he still has no voice, just coughing and wheezing a lot. So we hope he's better or gets better soon. This story is interesting. What does this all mean, this story? (laughs) I have a conclusion for this here. Uh, And the editorial board of the San Francisco Chronicle is urging that the city adopt a response similar to that which New York City used after 9-11 to save the downtown and the entire Bay Area from economic collapse. Uh, As Breitbart News uh, noted last June, the Chronicle had already warned that the downtown area was in danger of collapse because of commercial office vacancy, a legacy of the coronavirus pandemic and lockdown policies. As the report noted, on Friday, the Chronicle published an interactive article titled Downtown San Francisco on the Brink. It's worse than it looks. The article invites readers on a virtual walkthrough the center of the city highlighting abandoned offices and empty storefronts. The Chronicle reported the downtown area, the city's primary economic driver, is teetering on the edge, facing challenges greater than previously known. New data shows the wounds suffered by the economic core are deep, and city officials have yet to come up with a plan to make the fundamental changes that some economists and business leaders argue could make the area thrive again. Office vacancy is up nearly 300%. Convention attendance in the city is down nearly 90%. Now the Chronicle editorial board is criticizing local leaders for wasting money on trying to cajole and pray for office workers to return or to return downtown instead of planning for change. Instead, it says, even with decisive action, New York could not dig itself out of the post-9-11 hole alone. Generous state and federal interventions were required. The state needs to intervene and offer San Francisco financial and technical assistance, but it can't save the city from itself. Local officials need to prove they're committed to change and present a compelling vision for maximizing state investments. The editorial board notes that New York used state and federal assistance to turn lower Manhattan from a terrorist wreckage site into a place where new residents filled uh, uh, converted build office buildings. The Chronicle suggests state support for collapsing local transit systems and mental health services for the homeless. It also urges local officials to slash regulations that make it difficult uh, to convert office buildings to housing. What does this all mean in the long run? No reparations in San Francisco. Think about this. The whole the whole downtown is collapsing. By the way, you're not going to get federal assistance. You're not going to get massive federal assistance. If it comes from the state, the state now is running a deficit of California. But think about this. Here is 
There's a San Francisco Chronicle, you know, writing an article about um, what's going on downtown. You have the mayor. Do you see that? The mayor. You see the mayor is is now pleading. Uh, the mayor of San Francisco, uh, London Breed, right? Screaming for federal assistance uh, in order to have a police force, have a bigger police force after she called for defunding the police. Think about this. Think of everything that's going on here. Crime. The severe lockdowns. All the liberal ideas that are now helping to destroy San Francisco. And they can't get out of their own way. What are they talking about? Think about this. The crime rate. The mayor saying we've got to have, you know, we, we've, we've got to have federal help because we were idiots and we lived in our own delusional world and said, defund the police, that's good. Okay, yeah, we can have other people. That's right, bring in, bring in the mental health counselors to substitute for the police. Get rid of the police. Get rid of the police. Say that they're all systemically racist. Insult them constantly. Call them racist when they're not. Oops, they're leaving. They're going elsewhere. We defunded the police. Oops, the defund didn't work. Oh, no, the lockdowns really hurt us. We shouldn't have done the lockdowns like we did. Oh, now we can't get it together. What do we do? What do we do? 911-911-911. This is terrible here. We need we need an emergency help. San Francisco Board of Supervisors. Well, we've got it. $5 million to every eligible recipient for reparations because of slavery and the bigotry and intolerance of the liberals in San Francisco and in California. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, you just, you can't. It's... <laughs> They're adults. They're adults. Think about it. These are adults. That have the mentality of a child. And they're running governments. That's why I had a, what was it, last week where I had to call her? And the guy kept saying, I'm just a truck driver. I'm just, I said, don't say that on this show. Don't ever say that. Don't ever take you, what, what other job you happen to be working and extrapolate that out to mean anything else except that's what you're currently doing for a living. And it's honest labor. And, you know, this, the some of the most talented uh, and great people I ever met, I met in blue-collar jobs. But this is exactly what they want you to think. And one thing, as I've grown older, and now a lot of these politicians are younger than me, and I realized the mistake I made when I was younger is I was intimidated by the politicians because I thought that you only got in those positions because you brought some special quality that was needed for government. Yeah, I know. I was an idiot. 
Don't ever think. Because that's what they want you to think. They want you to think that they know what they're doing. Does any? Do I have to go any further? Can you just look over the last five years on a variety of different topics and tell me that these people know what they're doing on anything from economics to urban planning to law enforcement? These people are completely and totally clueless. So that was, you know, you know what also was clueless? Did you see today the, you know, that Wall Street Journal reporter, basically who is is kidnapped. He's a hostage of the of the Russian government. Uh, I went through, I, I subscribe. It's one of the few papers I subscribe to is the Wall Street Journal. And I was going through the videos that they had out, the videos of all the people that work there saying, this guy's not a spy, he's a reporter. And so, of course, the the administration couldn't even, could not even uh, debate what came out next from that, which is, well, Brittany Griner, you traded, you know, you weigh, you know, you made a trade where you got a WNBA player back and they got a high-level operative. Well, you just encourage them. You just encourage them, and this is what Biden was warned of. Uh, on Monday's broadcast of News Nation, Elizabeth uh, Vargas reports, White House National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic, for strategic Communications John Kirby stated that while it's hard to show some sort of mathematical case to prove the prisoner swap to free Brittany Griner from Russia in exchange uh, for releasing arms dealer uh, Victor Bout uh, is encouraging further kidnapping of U.S. citizens, he said, quote, there are some autocrats around the world that might be thinking that way, end of quote. Well, I guess Republicans don't have to say it anymore because Kirby said it. Right there, Kirby said it. He said it. There are some autocrats around the world that might be thinking that way. That's why you don't make the trade that you make, that you made. Because now it's open season on kidnapping Americans. And making it high profile. So what do you do? You go after a Wall Street Journal reporter. And claim that he's a spy. Yep. Not surprised by this at all. It's horrible. It's horrendous. An American could be jailed for years. Because of this. Because of what Biden did. And yeah, and they even had to admit, okay, yeah, some autocrats. Yeah, like Putin, the person you made the bad deal with to begin with. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio, 
I'm Gary McNamara. Eric's still out with laryngitis. I know, I know, I know. He's quiet quitting. He can talk, and he's not here. Uh, (laughs) All right, what's the most overhyped thing that we've heard over the last couple of days? The Republican polling, as if the polls right now have anything to do with the way the polls will be 11 months from now. And in continuation of that, (laughs) Republican support for former Representative Liz Cheney has doubled in the wake of former President uh, Trump's hush money indictment, making her the new threat to Governor Ron DeSantis that could shake up the 2024 GOP race. Uh, That statement from Paul Bedard is as delusional, and normally I like Paul Bedard's stuff, but that statement is as delusional as believing, as the Democrats trying to sell you, that we can run the grid on solar and wind. Let's not get too excited about the polls anyway, especially on a day like today where emotions are running high. A year from now, let's put it this way, Liz Cheney is not going to challenge in any way for the Republican nomination in 2024. I mean, you talk, that's not even, that's sentence bait, because it's not just, it's, it's in the, 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 the first sentence of the article. I want to read it again. Republican support for former Representative Liz Cheney has doubled in the wake of former President Donald Trump's hush money indictment, making her a new threat to Governor Ron DeSantis and could shake up the 2024 GOP race. Stop doing drugs. That is your brand. I'm not accusing him. That just popped into my mind, though. (laughs) This is your brain on drugs. (laughs) Liz Cheney is not a new threat and is not going to shake up the 2024 GOP race. So what is it? I mean, just, oh, man, people's minds just, oh. (laughs) Not going to happen. Uh, All right, coming up following the top of the hour, uh, analysis of what's going to happen to uh, the president or the former president today uh, as he is uh, arraigned. Information uh, coming out uh, last night that Michael Isakoff of Yahoo News, 34 felony uh, indictments, 34 felony charges, and there will be uh, no handcuffs and there will be no mugshot. So that's what we know right now. A lot of talk on whether there's going to be a gag order in all of this, but there's so much to cover as we will cover it all here on Red Eye Radio.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. <laughs> 